Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. And I am one of your co-hosts, Cody Stoffer, for today. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos. And we are returning to one of our most controversial and popular episode themes here as we discuss the top five position players from the senior class. That will be the class of 2022. And this year we are going in mostly reverse order. Last year, if you recall, we did quarterbacks first and linebackers last. This year, we're going to turn it on its head and start with the top five senior linebackers here in Colorado, class of 2022. And for those who don't remember, the way that we determine this is, well, we get a list of names first off, you know, via word of mouth, recommendations from teammates, games that we attend. And from that list, we then watch the film that is available to us. So if you think that there are some names missing from here, it might be because they didn't have any film and we weren't able to watch you know, there are some guys here kind of like Zach Tittle from Highland, Teddy Huttenhauer, Connor Krasinski or Krasinowski from Windsor, who just didn't have any film. So we can't analyze something that we can't see, unfortunately. And from the film that we watch, we make, you know, strengths and weaknesses charts for every single player. And obviously, you know, this is all based off of basically huddle film as well as game film that we have seen of any of these players. And from there, the players with the best frames, strengths, least amount of weaknesses, best athletes, and overall performances throughout the season will earn spots on this list. We will also have some honorable mentions of guys that we were impressed by their film and ultimately just missed the cut for this top five list. So it's it's pretty cutthroat, Simon. And uh, I we definitely had a lot of discussion before recording this episode, this one in particular, and there will be more to come. But we landed on our top five here for linebackers. And so the way we're going to run through this is starting at five, next segment four, three, two. And then during the number one linebacker of the class of 2022, we will discuss our honorable mentions then. So just stay tuned and enjoy the show. And like I said, we will start in this segment with numero cinco. Cody Connor out of Faith Christian High School, standing in at six foot two, listed at 220 pounds. That'll be up for discussion later. And I am going to start this segment specifically with strengths of Cody Connor from when I watched his film. If Simon has anything to add in strengths, he will obviously chip in before discussing some of Cody Connor's weaknesses. And then we will preview what level of play they can pursue following strengths and weaknesses breakdown but cody connor the first thing that i type down here is he is an immovable object who inflicts more pain to blockers when they run into him than you know as in the blockers hurt trying to block this kid because he is just really stout trying to you know blow up these run plays and whatnot linemen just can't seem to get underneath his pads and push him off of his path he does a great job of being balanced, and I think that's because of his size, because he is the biggest linebacker on this list in this top five. And, you know, it, it shows in the film whenever some of these guys try and block him. I should mention here that Faith Christian High School is a 2A school out of Arvada, Colorado. 
So we'll discuss that a little bit more and how that played into our rankings as well. But, you know, I think that he's a very solid linebacker who reads plays very well and he meets the ball carrier at the line of scrimmage routinely. You know, whether that's up the middle or whether he has to take angles to get to the ball, which he plays sideline to sideline. It's like he's the only defender on this defense, the way that he racks up the amount of tackles that he does have. And, you know, like I said, he reads plays very well and he maneuvers through, you know, the sea of bodies so effortlessly and efficiently. You know, he does a great job of weaving in and out whenever it starts to get to the sideline and he has to use his peripherals to make those plays. And, you know, when it's up the middle, he does a great job of finding the straightest line possible to get to the ball carrier and making the play at the line of scrimmage. I also want to know that as far as discipline goes, he might be the most disciplined player on this list, in my opinion, and he's very polished. You know, he he does a great job of, you know, breaking down and eliminating cutback lanes with, you know, the great angles that he creates, as well as just being disciplined and not letting somebody cut back across the field specifically on him. He does a great job of setting up defenders on plays, you know, from game to game. I'm not sure what the you know, scheme is over there at Faith Christian or what the leadership looks like. But I know that this team would be in a lot worse spot this year without Cody Connor there in the middle, kind of directing players to where they need to go, whether that's the D line or in the secondary. He does a great job of helping set people up in that secondary. And I think that's a great segue for discussing that, you know, he has some of the most pass coverage of any linebacker in the state. And with that comes, you know, a lot of pass breakups. He tips the ball. He has an interception. And if you look at his junior year, he also, you know, had some interceptions as well. He makes a lot of tackles on screens, you know, by reading the plays very well. Like I said, he does so well in the run game. He does the same for the pass game. And, you know, he also stays disciplined, I'd say, in man coverage on play fakes. You know, on those boots, there's a lot of linebackers that'll freeze or get going one way and have to, you know, cut back across the grain the other way. Cody Connor doesn't really fall for a lot of those, you know, misdirection plays or anything like that. And once again, I just think that that's a testament to his discipline. And, you know, it's I think it's very obvious that he watches film based off of how well he plays the pass on this 2A level and, you know, his timing as well, blowing up a lot of these run plays. I feel like he knows a lot of the plays that the offense is running before they even run them. And yeah, I just really like his his size. Obviously, you got to like, especially in that box, you know, he's really hard to move for some of these linemen. And I think that he's strong enough to stand his ground against you know, linemen, even in some other divisions as well. And between that, as well as just his discipline in pass coverage is why he earns the number five spot on our Playmakers Class of 22 top five linebackers list here. Simon, are there anything or are there any other strengths that you want to add on here to Cody Connor before discussing some things that he needs to work on if he wishes to play on that next level or things that he needs to work on going towards that next level yeah uh let me just talk about stats real quick because i'm pretty sure doesn't he lead the state in tackles i i might have been mistaken there i know as a senior he leads the state as tackles as far as like like among seniors but i'm pretty sure 
he leads the state in tackles though correct me if i'm wrong well i definitely know that he is number one as far as seniors go and then well yeah he's number one for anything that's not six or eight man period so yeah so there you go um and then obviously i mean you know not everyone's stats are updated so i'm just gonna say that as of today like november 8th you know he is leading the state in tackles with 147 total tackles by the way his team did make the playoffs so that's all regular season and so if anybody else like you know i don't i don't know how stats work in colorado i assume they just uh add on to it you know uh postseason stats onto the regular ones don't they and so I'm just going to go ahead and assume that. So this is all regular season. He's super productive. I think that's the biggest thing. Like he's not afraid to get in there. Shows he has a high motor as well because he does play offense. Um, I think he runs. I mean, he does a lot of different things. Uh, he has a couple pass attempts on here. Runs the ball. He has like 66 carries on the season. 33 receptions as well. And so he's doing a lot. I mean, he obviously has some sort of skill. Uh, as you know, two-way programs go. Uh, your best athletes usually play both sides so that might be a testament to that as well but uh you know obviously very productive i'm just gonna go ahead and talk about you know his uh you know more productive games and um, obviously not games that he won but uh that's just throwing that out there because faith christian i think only won one or two games this season but he did have 14 total tackles versus basalt 18 against rifle um and then 14 against eden along with four tackles for loss eden is probably the most impressive performance here just because you know they're probably the most physical team out of these two uh with rifle they run the ball a lot so that should be expected with basalt that's obviously equally as impressive but they don't have the line that eden does eden probably having the best line uh you know size wise in the entire state not the fastest though but you know size wise one of the best ones on the two-way level and so for him to do that uh, not only against that line but against ethan flores that is definitely impressive and you have to keep that in mind here um you know that's definitely one of the reasons why he is in the top five for sure and over some of these other guys we have in our honorable mentions and so just keep that in mind whenever we do hit our honorable mentions but other than that uh you know he he's here for a reason and so with that being said you know i'm gonna go ahead and talk about some things i think he could work on i think number one his biggest weakness is just speed and agility cody you could probably agree on that uh speed wise like top end speed wise I mean, he's not going to beat anybody in a race. Like, I don't think he is. Um, I, I don't know. I, he's definitely not as fast as many D1 running backs. That's for sure. D2, you could, you know, you could probably have a little bit more argument there. Depending on the size of the running back as well and their style. But speed wise, it's just not going to pop out. And even if he does do his 40 yard dash. I don't know if that's necessarily a stat that'll help him. And so for Cody Connor here, I mean, look, speed wise, you can't always control what your top end speed is, but you can control the little things in between to get there to work on the top end speed. That's acceleration. You know, that's agility as well, especially as a linebacker. Agility is really important, having a quick change of direction and whatnot. And so speed wise, you know, you can make up for it, but you need to do a little bit more work here. There are definitely times where I'm watching him play and, you know, he's a big dude out there at like 6'2", 6'3", 220. Like he's a bigger dude. You could tell like he just is like 
physically imposing uh, against some of these other guys on film. Uh, you know, if you watch uh, the right opponents, obviously, he's definitely imposing uh, for sure. And so, you know, that size definitely makes up for that lack of speed and agility, which helps him out uh, a lot. You know, I'm not going to lie. It helps him out a lot. But I would say that's definitely the biggest thing. you got to be able to at least keep up with some of this college talent because uh, on the next level, you know, everyone's bigger. Everyone's faster. And obviously, everyone's an athlete. And so, yeah. Uh, the next thing, I mean, these two are kind of tied together. It's technique work in terms of block shedding, pass rushing, and then leverage. Uh, I think those go hand in hand. I think leverage is a technique type of deal when it comes to block shedding. So there you go. Um, let me start with leverage. I think there are definitely times he is way too high, um, especially when he's working inside, I would say. There are some times where like, he actually has to engage with the guy and he can't just you know track down the running back on the outside. Um, when he has to engage, with some linemen you know he definitely gets a little bit caught up um and he should be faster than linemen that first off that's a standard you know you need to be faster than linemen if you're as fast as a lineman maybe you should be playing defensive end or something different right um but you know when he does get caught up inside uh, he's definitely a little high and part of it is because he's trying to kind of just speed across the face of that lineman instead of like working with his hands and whatnot and so i think leverage wise he just needs to consistently work on that especially with those interior linemen that's a really big deal there uh block shedding i mean even on the outside it's not like I mean, you know, it's not like he's an elite pass rusher or like a great pass rusher, you know, um, he's, he's a bigger dude. So he's naturally going to overpower some guys, but I think he needs to definitely work on his, uh, hand speed and, you know, work on that block shedding technique, working against, uh, those exterior linemen against those tackles, tight ends too, as well, just because, I think he uh, he relies a little bit too much on his athleticism there. And if you want to make it to the next level and you're not necessarily like a natural, like freak athlete, technique is everything, especially for this guy. Cody, you could probably agree. He's probably he definitely is the slowest player on this list. And, you know, this year, I'm not going to lie. We're definitely going for a much lighter group. Last year, you know, we have a lot of guys that were in the 220, 230 range for sure. Um, I think our top guys were 250. I want to say our lightest guy was 210 pounds last year, and that was Saxon Wright. Right? I'm pretty sure. Saxon about it. was definitely one of our lighter players. Um, I don't think Matram was all that heavy either, but he was at least, was I think he was still at least 220. Yeah, so, he was also 6'3", so... Yeah, so he was... Our, our list was definitely just bigger in general last year. So for Cody Connor to be the biggest guy on here is a bit of a surprise. And like you said, it shows in some of the areas of improvement, you know, as far as speed, agility, and explosiveness too. I, yeah. I think that his backpedaling footwork lacks, you know, an explosive push to get back into coverage faster. And I think that, you know, with that extra step or burst that, you know... He turns a couple of tip passes into interceptions. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's technique too. Obviously not like pass, you know, rushing or a block shedding technique, but that's technique too. Um, I, I mean, you know, the, I think these three things, first off, 
got to get right. I mean, you know, you could kind of make up some of that uh, pass or sorry, pass coverage technique if you are a little bit faster, more explosive, like you said, Cody. Um, but I think for now, if you want to be able to do um, a lot of the basic things, obviously, and be able to hold up just as well as you did in high school on the next level, these are the things you got to work on first. And then obviously, I mean, football, it's a passing era. You know, you got to be able to cover. If you can't, I mean, that's that's a little bit more on you. But uh, I would definitely say these are priority here and he can work on that. But with that being said, unless you have any weaknesses or anything you want to add on here, Cody, um, do we want to talk about Outlook here? Yeah, go for it. Okay, bet. Uh, by the way, Outlook. So this is us basically saying, like, this is the level of football that they can play at. Uh, and this is the level that we feel like uh, they will, you know, eventually play at next year or in the coming years. But for me, Cody Connor. I, there's a lot of things to like here. Obviously, he's on this list for a reason. He's like, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 220. Um, arguably might be heavier, you know, which is another, I guess, kind of weakness here. I think 220 is the perfect weight for him. If he is higher than that, then he needs to slim down. Even at this 220 weight, he could probably still, like, you know, slim up a little bit here. Like, turn that some of that fat into more muscle. Uh, probably specifically, you know in the lower body i would say is where you want to do that you know work on working on that explosiveness and uh that speed training and whatnot but i think for him to do all those things and work on some of these weaknesses and you know obviously he will have to adjust to the next level juco is where i believe he should go i think he will do a solid job i think he's probably a two-year guy in juco as well like take as much time two-year or three-year guy take as much time as you need like really learn from everyone you know because at juco's i think that's the thing that kind of goes unnoticed sometimes like you know you're competing against everyone so much that maybe you don't learn or take the time to slow up a bit and learn from some of these guys and so i think if he goes to a juco you can learn you know definitely um work on his skills and stuff there he could probably play at a d2 i don't think he's a d1 guy but i think he could definitely play at a d2 maybe d3 and by the way the reason like we probably won't like tell kids hey go take a d3 or naia offer right off the bat is because juco could do a lot of the same thing but for cheaper uh is that right cody also what do you think about that outlook for cody connor here yeah uh of course you know juco is going to be cheaper than most naia offers i know that and d3 because i know a lot of those schools are private schools too and that starts to get very expensive very fast so gonna agree with that point there and juco gets you right you know there's been plenty of stories of you know players going to juco and you know hashing some things out there's talent at the coaching staffs or talented coaching staffs i should say at the juco level that want to get you on that D2 level or that D1 level. Okay, so, you know, don't question like what you're exactly gonna get. I bet it's better than most programs you're gonna find here in the state of Colorado anyway. So there's that for you. And, you know, you think about things such as technique that he needs to work on. There's a lot of guys that go into Juco pretty raw and they come out way more polished, uh, especially when it comes to body control and stuff. A lot of those strength and weight coaches are very good on the JUCO level. But 
anyways, I'm going to have to agree with the outlook here. He's definitely somebody who needs to have a bit more control of his body, I'd say, and know how to wield it. Like you said, it says 220, but he definitely moves like 230. So uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, what the exact status of this, you know, this is all just from the eye test. But if he does weigh 230, slimming down to 220 would be way good for his speed, which I think is his greatest weakness. And I definitely say, like, when I first watched his film, because of his pass coverage capabilities, that he could be, you know, on, on the lower level of D2, just because I feel like there's just, there's a demand for linebackers that can play the pass game. And when you have a guy that can step in and play zone pretty well and shows pretty good field awareness in general, then you might take that over, you know, whatever else you got there in the middle if he's only a run kind of stopping linebacker. So I, I'd have to agree with the assessment, you know, low end D2 or, you know, Juco if you're trying to really get a good offer or, or a better offer, I should say, to like a higher end D2 or, you know, D1 program. But... I don't. He doesn't have offers, does he? I just want to throw that out there. First. Not that I've seen. You know, if okay. if you're a, a JUCO program, you definitely need to look at this kid. He's he's solid. Like I said in the past game, which everyone's looking for pass coverage linebackers. Or if you're a D2 program and you know you run a three four and you have one guy that can play the run, you might want this guy to be that complementary linebacker to come in on passing downs or, you know, handle a bit more of that burden as well as kind of being the cleanup guy for any runs that, you know, might go the other direction or whatever. So, but I don't, I haven't seen any offers for him specifically. Granted players, if you want to update outlets like us or other schools on offers, please get a Twitter. It's, we've talked about it a lot, but anyways, Simon, is there media. Yeah, Sorry, some kind of social media? Is there anything else to add on for Cody Connor here or is it um, time to transition? No, not too much. I'm just going to throw this out there as well in case Jukos are listening for any reason, just because I want to help him out. Uh, like I said, he played offense too, you know, and I assume he played special teams as well. And so, you know, he's even at the worst, like he's a guy that you take a flyer on. I mean, you can't teach like you just can't teach like six two six three two over 200 pounds so 220 230 you know and so it never hurts having a body out there that you could use on special teams whether it's hands teams or maybe you have a guy that could flip to offense like as an emergency guy if you need to like you could get in there and be a blocker or a fullback or something like that and so or tight end or so i'm just gonna throw those out there as well like i could definitely see him switching positions as well if he wants to play a different one uh, because he had, he does have some solid receiving stats here as well, despite not being on a talented team. You know, he has some really good games here. And so I'm just going to throw that out there. You know, the Juco as well. You know, it's a place, like you said, Cody, where you could find yourself. And if you need to make a position change, I think Juco might be where you would be most comfortable doing that because at colleges they recruit you and your position for a reason or they have an idea of where they want to play you at and there's no like there's probably no versatility not a lot of uh, wiggle room there so just gonna throw that out there you know so yeah but with that being said 
let's go ahead and take a break here and then we'll go into our number four guy on our top five inside linebacker list coming up next what's good y'all welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast this is episode 82 our senior list uh or part of our senior list series here and so we're gonna go ahead and talk about our number four guy in the state of colorado in the class of 2022 by the way uh so you know if there's any guys that are juniors or underclassmen they're not on here because i know we're probably already gonna get messages about what about this guy he's a junior so with that being said <laughs> let me talk about the number four guy on this list and that is yahir shires salazar aka chino which is what i'm gonna go ahead and refer uh to him as and cody i assume you're gonna do that as well uh yeah. he played for Greeley central yeah <laughs> He played for Greeley Central. Cody, you and I got to see him live, actually, against Wes. And then I've seen him, well, obviously, I've seen him play before, you know, in in, uh, in the past, looking at his film and uh, watching some live streams as well. So I'm just going to throw that out there. And then I watched him in the preseason get a lot of, they had a lot of snaps for his scrimmage game against 5A uh, Pooter. So, yeah, Pooter is 5A. They play in the same league, I think, as Legacy, I want to say. Yeah, and so I've seen him play against uh, a little bit higher talent there on the 5A level there. And so, with that being said, I'm actually going to go ahead and talk about his strengths here. Uh, here's the thing about Chino. He's just a really good athlete. He's a multi-sport athlete. Uh, I might add, you know, he wrestles as well. I'm pretty sure he hoops. I want to say he hoops and then obviously he's a football player so there you go and so multi-sport athlete really can't go wrong with that uh also multi-position athlete as well a lot like cody connor um in previous years so he's been starting uh since he was a freshman but he became the starting running back for the central team i think around his junior year like he junior year, he definitely like secured that spot sophomore year he got carries but he is also the starting running back he's a kick returner by the way 4.125 gpa which absolutely love we're here for uh and then you know i mean i'm already talking about his accolades he is a three-time first team all conference player two-time all-state honorable mention player as well and so you know he's an athlete he has really good speed he's a lot stronger than his size which we're just gonna go with 510 185 190 he's in that range like i said he's a wrestler so you already know his weight uh probably changes like a million times a year and so he's in that 180 190 range and he's a smaller dude he is the smallest guy on this list uh in the two years that we have done this list granted last year we didn't separate inside linebackers and outside line inside linebackers and outside linebackers um but he is the smallest dude that has ever made one of these here at number four at that 510 180 180 190 range but he's a lot stronger than he needs to be or not that he needs to be he's a lot stronger than he looks uh and that's something that you got to keep in mind he, he also has really good footwork you know very good agility and speed and so you know he's just an athlete he's somebody that you could plug and play uh pretty much anywhere there's probably a 
I mean, you know, not on this top five list of this year because there's a lot of running backs, but, you know, he could probably play running back on the next level as well if he really wanted to commit himself to that because I think he is a talented one uh, there as well. Obviously, he did play for Greeley Central, so like Faith Christian, um, didn't win a lot of games. I think he only won one game against Greeley West this year, so make do what you want with that. Uh, Other than athleticism, I think he has good raw coverage ability, as in he can go man or zone and then make a play on the ball. Does have a couple interceptions on the year, and so I'm just going to throw that out there, uh, both playing zone and man. He has really quick hands as well. You know, he's somebody who could get a, a hand on the ball pretty quickly, whether to deflect it or to contest or to intercept. He's done, I mean, he's shown on his film that he could do all of that. And then... Uh, the last strength point that I want to make here, like I said, he's a do-it-all guy. Could play special teams. He's made an impact there. I know he does have a couple blocked kicks in that West game. Didn't he block a kick or a PAT? I'm pretty sure he blocked a PAT. He's blocked a handful of PATs this year. So as far as uh, special teams and defense goes, he has saved a lot of points. Yeah. And, I mean, not that it mattered because it's really central. But you're right. He did save a lot of points here. He's very active uh, on the special. He's probably one of our more active players on the special team side of things. Um, not the most active because we're going to talk about cornerbacks later this year. But he's definitely up there between block kicks, uh, kick return, punt return, touchdowns, all that stuff. You know, he's somebody that, like I said, He's an athlete. You could put him anywhere and he'll make an impact there. And then, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm biased because I met the guy and whatnot. And, you know, I know the people around him. But, you know, just a very good attitude. Very good, like, just yes, coach type of deal. Like, he'll do what you ask out of him, you know. And if that's not obvious uh, with him being a four-year varsity starter for Greeley Central here, I mean, I don't know what else is, but but a very good kid. You don't have to worry about him off the field. Yes, coach type of guy, plug and play guy. I think those are his main strengths here, along with just being a good athlete. Uh, Cody, is there anything else you want to add on? I tried to keep it a little bit shorter, but is there anything else you want to add on? And then do you want to talk about some things that he does need to work on in his game right now? Yeah, I think the only thing I might add on just to kind of accentuate his strengths is just the recovery speed that he has for a linebacker is absurd on the pick six play against uh was it mountain view maybe it might have been mountain view i don't recall who it was against but the play started off and you know he kind of flowed the wrong direction more on that in a second but he was able to make up that lost time and space that was provided to the player that leaked out of the backfield and even surpass that player intercepting the ball and taking it back to the house. So great cardio and makeup speed, which, you know, makeup speed is something that we talk a lot about with, you know, cornerbacks and to see it out of Chino here at the middle, true middle linebacker spot is pretty absurd, but going to talk about some areas of improvement and I kind of briefly mentioned it just now I think that he needs to be a little bit more disciplined now obviously he doesn't always have that luxury with the 
you know, situation that he's in with, you know, rotating cast of other players and whatnot, he kind of needs to be everywhere all at the same time to give this Greeley Central team even a chance on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, when he has to play so high motor, it is easy to get him moving in the wrong direction, whether it's on misdirections or play actions and whatnot. And luckily, because he's so athletic on this level, he can make up those plays like I just mentioned in his strengths. But on the college level, it's going to be a lot harder to make up, you know, that lost split second to like a slot wide receiver running a cross route. You know, that's going to that causes a little bit more concern and can be a much bigger play or, you know, that wide receiver jet sweep, you know, reverse that could happen where, you know, he's already lined up basically over the tight end flowing one way and then the play breaks the other way that could prove to be really difficult on that next level and then i think that you know he does a pretty good job of evading and you know getting past blockers sometimes but i think when they do get locked up on him especially some of these guards that pull that could cause problems just because of his varying size you know all these other guys that we're going to talk about on this list are over 200 pounds, I'd say pretty definitively. And, you know, Chino is the smallest one here. So that makes those matchups against not only those guards on this level, but especially on the next level, a bit more of a question mark. So, you know, those are some of the bigger concerns that I have for him that, you know, could potentially be solved by a change of scenery, I'd say more than anything, or, you know, just you know like simon said he plays a lot of different sports and wrestling is one of those that you know can lead to weight fluctuation or maybe not playing at an ideal playing weight for that next level and that's something that he will definitely have to address on that next level so i mean you mind if i talk about what that next level looks like for chino or is there anything else that you want to add on to this areas of improvement segment no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, situation does matter. Um, I mean, I'm just gonna say it. Look, I don't I don't mean anything personal against the Greeley Central program. I mean, considering we have met their athletic director too. Um, but I wouldn't exactly say the Central program is, um, you know, the a stable football pro- football program. With the stable off-season program and all of that, I think that's really obvious uh, if you look at their record. And, well, if you look at the record for the last 20 years, if you really want to go there. And so I'm just going to throw that out there. And because of a lot of that lack of stability, you know, you're right. I, I would agree that he's a very – like he there's some uh, things skill-wise that he needs to get right, you know, or that he needs to tune up because – I don't know if he necessarily had a bunch of dudes that were able to tell him like, yo, like, I mean, do this or do that because uh, he's already doing a lot. And maybe they feel like that might be too much and whatnot for him. And so he needs to go to a stable program first off, because, I mean, we've said this all the time whenever we talk about players in tougher or bad programs straight up, you know, look, because they were in this type of program. 
There's some things they got to work on. There's some things that they, you know, got away with. A lot more things than usual that they got away with than guys who are in better programs. Uh, Someone that comes to mind is LR3 last year for Smokey Hill. There were some things he needed to work on and whatnot to get better. But because he is at Smokey Hill, a program that's not used to that type of success, there, you know, there's just some things that you're going to miss there. So there you go. Um, But yeah, other than that, I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead and talk about Outlook here. So, obviously, I agree with everything Simon said. Um, having, you know, coached not at Greeley West, but or not at Greeley Central, I should say, but at Greeley West and, you know, being in that Greeley football community of sorts, I, I have to echo a lot of what Simon just said. But anyways, talking about Outlook here, as it stands right now, I definitely think that Chino is somebody who should look into junior college for football. Not athletically, I think that he's gifted enough to be a D2 guy, you know, right off the bat. But it's adjusting to a different culture of football, I think, first off, would be a huge benefit of Juco and a place where, you know, everyone takes it a lot more seriously and a lot. Everyone has a lot more on the line, I'd say. So you can expect a lot more from your teammates and in turn adjust your style of play for the next level to be more fitting. And then obviously getting into a Juco strength and weights program that is going to get you to an ideal playing weight. You know, I think that Chino here, well, first off, like Simon said, he's a really good running back. I was, I definitely think that there's probably more opportunities for him at linebacker just because of supply and demand as far as running backs go but he's a really solid running back so you know for a juco it wouldn't be a bad thing to maybe have him as a complimentary back to like a d1 bounce back kind of guy and i think that chino's going to bring a you know sort of grind and high effort mentality where you can legitimately play him and he's going to make that, you know, whoever that other running back is, work harder too. Otherwise, that other guy is going to lose his job to Chino. Because Chino will outwork most people in in that locker room, period. And in a running back room, it gets even better. So you have that going for, for you as a program, obviously. And Chino has that going for him as an individual. And, you know, for Chino, he can also get to an ideal kind of playing weight and control you know i think that reaching 200 pounds is pretty critical for him to find some success on those higher levels i know that that is asking for quite a bit especially when you know this 190 can fluctuate come wrestling season so 200 pounds might be a lot but i mean at least a very stout 195 is needed to find some success here on the next level for chino simon where do you agree or disagree with my take? Well, yeah, he's probably he needs to go to a JUCO. I think that's not a bad thing at all. I think there are actually probably some JUCOs out there that if they have the money, they might uh, spend it on Chino here. Because like you said, I mean, he's kind of just one of those locker room guys. First off, you can't go wrong with him being a locker room guy because he's going to just I mean, he like you said, he's going to outwork as many people as possible. Um, very Austin Eckler-esque 
if I might, if I might say, you know, a lot of similarities there. Both guys that are just relentless workers, talking to, you know, Gino and knowing the people around him, and then talking to not Austin Eckler, but his coaches over at Eden back when I was over there. You know, I feel like they have very similar characteristics right here, and so. You know, he's not somebody it's he's not a bad dude to bring in because first off, he's not going to be a cancer to your locker room. If anything, he's going to uplift it, you know, and, you know, playing for a losing team for four straight years. That's not easy. <laughs> like, Cody, you and I, I mean, we've talked about this before. Uh, I, I would definitely have a little bit of a different career if I played on like just a you know a bottom feeder type of team for four straight years like not even success as a freshman um not that he had any because he was called up to play varsity right away so you know that's a hard thing to do um and then continue to want to change that emotionally exhausting sorry but i just had to agree with your statement that it (laughs) takes a toll on someone yeah more mentally than anything to be honest with you well physically as well uh because you're doing a lot but mentally especially uh but he's he's a strong dude um physically and mentally and you don't really have to worry about him and so i think there will be some jucos here lining up to be like yo can we bring this guy in even maybe some colleges that are like maybe we could have him as a walk-on and you know he'll earn his way eventually which i don't doubt that he can do you know and so there's that as well um for him i think you know he plays linebacker right now running back kick returner uh he's somebody who could who might play a different position on the next level i would be open to that as well i mean he's not like the shortest dude but he's not the tallest guy he's at a decent weight um i mean i'm looking at some of his I mean, just some of the things he's like doing out here because he does post a little bit on his Twitter. Not a lot, but just, a, you know, enough. Uh, I'm watching. I've been watching this video on repeat where he's benching a 225, which, by the way, that is, uh, you know, that that's what NFL players bench at the combine or I guess potential NFL players bench at the, on the com- at the combine. And so when you see those reps like, you know, 20, 30 reps, that's 225. So reps of 225. And so March 26, which was eight months ago, he posted a video where he pretty easily repped out 13 reps at 225. And for somebody to do that at 185 pounds is pretty solid, especially in high school, because that's more than some NFL guys uh, already who are sm- at similar weights at as him. So that's pretty good. And then there's another video here of him running 20 miles per hour or something crazy 20.3 sorry miles per hour here as a top speed type uh type of deal there so he's an athlete bro could play running back like you said receiver linebacker i think he could potentially you know move up and probably be a solid safety as well a solid like box safety slash linebacker you know depending on the squad um but i think he could definitely move around and not just play linebacker you know what i mean i think he could definitely earn his way on the next level playing different positions and uh you know i don't doubt that he's he's a guy that's easy to root for too so there you go um agree disagree yeah 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 yeah. i i gotta agree also (laughs) ladies and gentlemen i don't know if uh coach v here has ever traveled uh 20 miles an hour so that is cooking for simon to keep an eye on (laughs) sorry i had to i had to bring that up (laughs) 
because you just sounded blown away. But anyways. Well, um, he's running 20 miles an hour. It's not like, yeah. Yeah. Could you catch him, Simon, in your prime? I don't know. I did did train like that going by miles (laughs) per hour. I don't don't like treadmills. Um, I I I have, so there you go. Fair enough. Run out on the track. But uh, in all seriousness, I agree with everything that uh, you had to say. And, you know, those those numbers, too, those are important to to share to scouts. You know, scouts are that that's those lifting numbers can sometimes be the difference between a signing and then going with someone else. So just in general, for any players trying to go to the next level, hit the weight room. Obviously, they're going to watch what you do on the field first. But if you and another player look really similar, maybe uh, doing 13 reps of 225 and running over 20 miles an hour is what gets you the nod over the other guy. So just remember to grind on that. Anthony Tokini talked about it in his interview last year that weight room, weight room, weight room was really important when he was, you know, looking to start as a true freshman on the D1 level. So don't, don't take those numbers too lightly. And I think that that plays well for Chino so long as you know he decides that he does want to play football on that next level I definitely think that he's super capable and I'm excited to see where he goes you know no matter uh football wrestling or you say you play basketball too I, I thought there was a third sport in the mix I don't know if it was maybe, maybe it's sport. track and field or something I don't know oh well, I guess he definitely track. does track so well, I think he does so you know uh yeah. any any of those sports he's gonna make the locker room or the team you know grind better period so yeah. you know, oh wait guy. oh yeah, yeah 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 must have i also forgot i didn't say where he could go after juco i just said he should go juco uh i think he's like you said cody d2 i could see him as a i mean depends his position and role i could definitely see him as an fcs guy i mean Look, the thing, like you said, Cody, like coaches, uh, they want athletes, you know, whether your numbers show it or whether it shows on the field for Chino, it's both, you know, and so coaches want athletes. He is somebody who's, you know, I, I feel really good about him going to Juco, probably a little bit better than Cody Connor because he doesn't have some of those like raw athleticism uh, traits that Chino does. Uh, but, you know, when you have a guy with raw athleticism traits, I mean, you can never go wrong with having an athlete on the field. Right. So there you go. But D1, yeah. FCS, D2. And, uh, you know, you never know from there, but just one step at a time. So, yeah. One foot in front of the other, much like our top five list, which we just wrapped up number four. And we will take the next step and talk number three coming up. What's good? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. This is episode 81. We're going to continue our top five senior inside linebacker list with number three. And one of our only 1A players, um, well, yeah, one of the only 1A players that we've had on a top five list ever. And this time we got Miles Sprague, linebacker slash, oh my God, he, he plays like a bunch of different positions. Receiver. All of them. Safety. Of them. Athlete. Athlete, it's probably easier. I think he's actually um, classified as an athlete. I want to say so. Yeah, there I'm, you go. I think that's what Rivals has him listed at. 
Yeah, but we're going to talk about him at linebacker here. But Miles Sprague, um, by the way, we did interview him earlier on in the season. I do not know what episode it was because it was a while ago. But I want to say it was right after the 1A preview. A season preview that is not the playoff preview but the 1a season preview so if you want to check that out go ahead he has some good advice there you know good kid a uh, great athlete i believe he works with uh mcchesney i want to say uh, please that's... yeah it's six zero okay yeah yeah, yeah i got, I got you I got, yeah that's, that's McChesney. I, I don't want to shout out the right the wrong guy but you know he's somebody who uh, is the only ranked player on 2a as well and he's right here at number three on our inside linebacker senior list and so i'm gonna go ahead and talk about his strengths here um number one i think his strongest like the thing that coaches like about him the most is probably his coverage ability and versatility um those two are different things let me talk about versatility first first off you can put him in man you know cody i'm pretty sure you said he covered in the slot sometimes i want i'm definitely i'm pretty sure i've seen him cover like as an outside corner at one point in his career as well and so he has that ability. He's pretty sound there. Uh, or sorry, that versatility to cover, you know, at a bunch of different spots, play man, play zone, and be very good at that in those areas. And then coverage ability, I mean, he's quality at those areas. Like he can't just play it and be all right enough. Like he's probably somebody that you don't want to throw at. Um, yeah, regardless, because he could cover running backs. We've seen it. He could cover receivers tight ends you know he has the ability to do a lot of that stuff and he's just extremely talented doing all of that like i said pass coverage ability and versatility is his strong suit it's why he's going to get recruited it's why he's going to get offered as well but for him to do that at his size you know at 6 200 pounds I think this year, yeah, 6'1", 200 pounds, uh, definitely has the ability to put on a little bit more weight there as well. Um, you know, that's impressive. You know, he's kind of a bigger dude, able to cover guys, you know, in the slot and whatnot. And you don't see that every day. You just don't, you know, and he's just a great athlete. I mean, shoot, how many sports does this kid play? On Max Preps alone, he has basketball, uh, baseball, football, track and field. By the way, with track and field, he throws, jumps, and runs. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read off some of that stuff here. So for the 100 meter, uh, which by the way, all this stuff matters. Coaches look at this stuff too. But in the 100 meter, um, I believe this is his best time. Yep, his best time. He had a 12.1, so 12 seconds, 12.1 seconds, which is pretty fast for someone of that size uh and the 400 meter had a 57.9 so that's not only you know an attribute to his speed but his stamina as well to keep that up you have a bunch of four by 100 four by 200 meter stuff here as well uh long jump oh my god I'm, yeah 17 feet 2.75 inches which is pretty good triple jump wait what triple jump 39 feet that's not right Cody, Cody, with the you're, one you're apostrophe. You're asking the wrong guy, bro. <laughs> bro, what are you? Oh, my God. Okay, I'm I just going to edit no that jumping. out. He jumped. <laughs> he does the long jump and triple jump. That's all you got to know. And he did do, he does do shot putt as well. Um, Actually, back in June, June, pretty sure this is June 19th, he finished third in shot putt. The point is, 
he does basically all the track and field events. He plays a bunch of different sports. This kid is an athlete, and he has a good blend of speed, athleticism, body type, especially at that 6'1", 200-pound frame. I mean, really, if you're looking at this kid, you're like, okay, maybe he does play 1A. Maybe you see that as a minus here, but he's a good enough athlete uh, just like Chino and Cody here to do a lot of other things as well as playing linebacker. So there you go, Cody. Do you have anything to add on before you hop into some things he could definitely work on here slash reasons why he's not number one or two? 39 feet might be legit. First off, 30, okay. 39 foot uh, triple jump because no, let's just keep it in. And if yeah. we're wrong, we're wrong. Somebody 30, can uh, 39 foot triple jump. So athletic dude's a beast but i mean i don't think that there's too much else to say on the strength side just because i mean you think about all the sports that he plays and the versatility that he has as an athlete it's the exact same on the football field he can play almost any position on the field that's not like nose tackler or interior line you know what i mean so like he has good ball skills as a wide receiver he has great defensive coverage as a safety slash corner in years past and brings that to linebacker he has great physical you know style of play that makes him a threat both running the ball and tackling so you know he's a very sound tackler and i just think that you know you can see just the whole range of his game in just such a short amount of time because you know, when he's at edge, he shows that he has block shedding capability with some hand fighting moves. You know, when he's playing back in zone, it shows his discipline and patience. You know, I think he's a very patient player is the biggest strength that Miles Sprague has because he can see the whole field, you know, whenever he's playing linebacker. And that's probably because he plays every position. So he knows exactly what everyone is thinking at any moment in time. And so, you know, that patience and that vision helps out at linebacker so, so much because it makes it to where he doesn't overcommit or doesn't fall for fake plays or misdirections. You know, there's a lot of plays in his film where they are doing some real kind of tricky stuff. You know, they, they got some creative play calls on the offensive side of the ball and Miles Sprague just stomps it out. It's not even bad play call or bad execution. It's Miles Sprague being that much better than the play call, being be that much better than the opposing team. So... That's there's a lot to like for Miles Sprague here and versatility. You, the listeners, if you've been rocking with us, especially with these film breakdowns, versatility goes miles here, and that is why Sprague is is at number three. But uh, no laugh there, Simon. You didn't like that joke. That's fine. That's it's fine. all right. If it, Miles it was stop laugh. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll worry about oh, that later. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll transition here. Uh, I'll stick to podcasting. We'll save the stand-up comedy for Tuesday nights. But, you know, some of these areas of, of improvement here for Sprague, I don't think that they're anything that he can't accomplish. But I think that the biggest thing, the biggest question mark here is sometimes changing direction laterally, especially back against the grain, is kind of missing an explosive step. He is able to transition and he has pretty good hips fluidity wise, but it doesn't have that kind of, you know, that snap, you know, that um, shot out of a cannon kind of cut back across the grain on the defensive side of the ball. 
and you know that's really nitpicky but it's something that he can do being the athlete that he is and it's something that i know he's capable of and so something that i want to see him improve on and something that hopefully by the time he gets to that next level it's all ironed out and then you know as far as linebacker goes i wish that he used his hands more or got his helmet on the ball to force more fumbles you know a lot of these linebackers are very good at punching it out you know i know i didn't really bring it up for cody uh cody connor or chino but you know a lot of the time you'll see at least a hand or a helmet on the ball and you know popping it off it doesn't always end in forcing a turnover but it keeps those running backs a bit more honest and those ball carriers honest and it's just something that i don't really see here in miles's film and it's something that would go a long way, especially whenever he blitzes off the edge or just blitzes in general. And he's against a quarterback, which is probably the easiest player to force force fumbles on. It, it's a good habit to build there and then translate tackling, you know, those wide receivers or those running backs. And, you know, this is playmakers corner, right? We talk about playmakers here. Miles is a playmaker, but I think he can take it even up another notch by forcing more fumbles. And, you know, there are some plays where, you know, it is a jump ball situation with the offensive player. And I don't necessarily blame him for not coming down with it. But there is one play against Wiggins where I think that Miles should make that interception. Simon, I think you know what play I'm talking about. It was like that quick tight end seam route where, you know, he does a great job of flipping his hips and getting back into position. And, you know, if he was the wide receiver on the play, I think that he wins it nine out of ten times. And so... I don't know if this was the one out of 10 times that he doesn't win it on the defensive side of the ball or something, but that is an interception that he left on the field. And I think that he leaves a couple of forced fumbles on the field as well. So forcing more turnovers, I think is something that miles can do and something that I would like to see. And just, you know, I, you know, at six, one, 200, it would be nice if he did get a little bit bigger before heading to that next level because I see some of these guards that are signing to these schools and some of these tackles and the strength and numbers that they put up and the size that they have. And that is something that he's going to want to be careful of because if some of these next level guys lock you up, you know, it's kind of what I talked about with Chino, that could be a bit of a challenge here at 6'1", 200. So getting a bit bigger or just stronger in general is something that I would like to see from Miles Sprague here. And, you know, something that I witness and can attest that he has improved at over the years. And, you know, he, he would give a shout out to McChesney for that over there at 6'0". He, you know, would go ahead and listen to the Miles Sprague interview for even more reasons to like this guy. But Simon, do you have any other areas of improvement to add or do you want to kind of talk about that interview and the energy that you got from it as to where he could go on the next level yeah um honestly i definitely agree i think he could probably get a little bit bigger uh but at 6 200 pounds i mean you kind of just assume if you're a recruiter like okay i mean he's gonna have a whole off season between you know when he stops playing a senior year and then when he comes onto campus and so you could definitely I could see him making it up to 210 here. Now, if he was to put on more than that, I think that'd be a little bit too much. He's kind of another guy just like Chino, especially just like Chino, who could potentially play safety corner 
as well maybe a little bit better than linebacker the difference is you know miles sprague is like three inches taller and then 10 to 20 pounds you know depending on the day 10 to 20 pounds heavier uh than chino here but you know uh that's really it but with that being said i can talk about his outlook talk about well talk about the interview and then his outlook here so interview wise he did say he has some connections well first off let me start with his family uh his i want to say his uncle and pops both play d1 ball so he has good athletic genes already um correct me if i'm wrong here because i want to make sure i get this right and if i don't it's fine but did his dad play at csu and his uncle play at cu or was it the other way around uh, might be the other way Ooh, the specifics skip i think that sounds right yeah or i thought his uncle might have played at csu but either way what you know I say? he he has family who has played on that division one level and is familiar with what you have to do to get recruited yeah is a good way of putting it and the skill level that you have to be at to play d1 ball yeah, I think you're right. It was his uncle at CSU. I'm shoot. After this, I'm gonna have to message him about it. But that's fine. So yeah, so he has. I mean, you know, he has guys around him. Obviously, uh, parent figures around him who have been at that level and so know what they're doing. And so obviously, you know, if he was to play at CU, CSU, there's definitely a little bit of a, you know, like. Uh, of a family thing a family legacy thing there which isn't bad because he's a good athlete who i feel like is a d1 guy like the more i watch this film the more i'm like oh for someone his size to move like that have that speed athleticism agility i mean i think he's a steal uh definitely like a full ride guy i could see him playing fbs if he wanted to in the right situation by the way definitely in the right situation fbs uh fcs for sure like i mean he could play for you and see if he really wanted to um which uh, i don't know we'll see but in terms of offers i'm going to talk about that first uh first off like i said he is a two-star and i am going off of the offers i see on his twitter right now uh for sure okay so for sure on may 4th he was offered his first offer from shadron state and so that was a couple months ago um oh shoot. okay sorry that was weird but anyways offered by shadron state that was his first offer on may 4th uh his last official offer at least one that he posted on was actually last week november 5th where he posted that he was offered by csu pueblo uh, an official offer but in terms of visits he's visited cu um boulder that is i assume he's been at csu at one point as well he was invited out by nebraska uh actually he was invited out by nebraska when they played michigan so that's kind of a big game to be invited out to uh in my opinion so you know there you go so there's definitely interest here i know in his interview he talked about a couple teams having interest in him but not yet pulling that uh you know that offer quite yet or pulling as in like pulling the trigger on that offer and so that's kind of where he's at right now he does have a couple offers though uh and he has made his visits as well 
So that's kind of where he's at. Like I said, I think he's a D1 guy. I don't think he should go Juco because I think he could definitely play D1 right now. You know, he has the raw athleticism and, you know, height and all that stuff and the skills to do that. And so that's kind of just where I'm at. I think he is much better than his two-star rating. And then also, by the way, on max preps, in terms of verified results, if you look at that, it says he's 5'10", 154 pounds. That's from a national combine two years ago. And so, I don't know. That probably, when teams look this kid up and he's on 24-7 sports, it's like, oh, 5'10", 154, last verified. And then on the scouting report under athletic background, it says he's a 5'10", 154-pound linebacker from Holyoke. That, you know, just, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. So, yeah. But, uh, Cody, what do you think? Uh, where do you think uh, he should go? Or, you know, um, where do you think he can go? Yeah, so I definitely think he's a D1 guy. The biggest thing hurting him is 1A football in Colorado. It's plain and simple. If people don't live here, they don't know, A, just how competitive the North Central League that he played in is. And B, they don't understand the talent that's kind of hiding here in 1A. And Holyoke faced one of the tougher schedules, if not maybe even the toughest schedule in all of, you know, football between playing North Central and also playing Florence earlier in the season. Like, that is a brutal schedule. They faced a handful of the playoff teams this year, as well as facing Meeker in the first round of the playoffs and, you know, going back and forth with a much higher seed than them. So... And I think that they find that success because of obviously the Sprague family in general, but what Miles Sprague brings to the football field. I think he's a must have guy on this D1 level, you know, and he's somebody who, you know, you could redshirt or you could throw him in immediately on special teams. Honestly, I think that he can contribute on any side of the ball that you ask him to. He's determined, he's a very hard worker, and he makes significant strides pretty quickly. I'd say just because, I mean, when you play as many sports as he does, you have to be a fast learner. And I think that that is something that plays very well into whatever coaching staff gets Miles Sprague here that, you know, no matter what system it is or, you know, just as a program, if there's like a coaching change in the next few years that any program he goes to, he's going to be able to adjust to whatever coach comes in. I think he just lives, breathes and sleeps football and he's darn good at it, too. So absolutely need to have miles sprague on your roster as a division one athlete obviously you know csu pueblo does a great job of scooping up the d1 talent that csu and cu and unc fail to get and that's why they're so dominant so you know i wouldn't be surprised if he did go there but i think that he could absolutely play for any uh, Colorado team on the D1 level. I think that he could play for Wyoming very easily. And I think that he could contribute at Nebraska too and uh, hook up there with uh, Grant Page, you know, who's who's also going there as a Colorado athlete. So, you know, I think that the, the world is his as long as the exposure is there. And that's just the toughest thing about being a 1A athlete is a lot of people don't take you seriously or take the time to look at the film. Or, you know, like Simon said, they don't, they see the like latest verified whatever the heck and they're just like yeah well that's i'm not going to recruit somebody who's 150 pounds basically and it's like well no do your research here 
and look at this kid he's a baller it is that's where i'm at and where i think you know his struggles in recruiting are at is definitely because of being a 1a football player there's no doubt in my mind about that if he's playing on the 4a level he probably has another five offers as a d1 athlete is that fair to say simon yeah you'll he'll have a lot more offers than that uh probably but no yeah absolutely i mean i think that's definitely something that always comes up oh he played 1a ball you know especially 1a ball you could get away with 2a you know i would say um because there's there's a lot of talent there uh at least this year for sure but you know 1a is like yeah, it's 1a you know and so i think he is somebody that you could plug and play uh also I mean, we haven't really talked about this a lot, uh, but he, he has he's a good dude, you know, a very good character guy, a good one to have in the locker room. He's a competitor. Obviously, he talked about him competing against some other guys over at Six Zero Academy, guys who are playing on the 4A and 5A level and being able to stack up kind of OK or well, not just OK, but, you know, good enough, if not better. And so I'm not like worried about him like. He could definitely go somewhere, compete, and earn his spot there as well. He's just one of those grinders, you know, that will find a way to get it done uh, when all is said and done, you know. And he'll he'll do what he needs to do to get there. Uh, I mean, we've talked about his versatility. Not only that, oh my God, not only that he can do it, uh, but he could do it pretty well, you know, multiple things. And so, um, yeah. I mean, that's Miles Sprague. I'm sure he'll find a spot. Honestly, he would probably be really perfect in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, arguably the most, you know, competitive conference on the FCS level. I don't know if you've checked out those uh, top five or top 25 rankings for FCS, but there's like, I mean, pretty much everyone but UNC's in there in the top 25 <laughs> so that says all you need to know there but maybe you know turn it around and get going but i'm but no seriously though like fcs uh big sky conferences isn't a bad conference to play and there are guys who go to the nfl from there all the time and you know like i said arguably one of the most competitive ones just looked at all the ranked teams you have top five teams top 10 teams multiple ones there at that so you know I wouldn't knock it, and you know, maybe I am doing a little bit of recruiting for UNC here, but uh, you know, that's not a bad thing. We right? always try. We always do. They, they never listen to us, which is fine. Well, yeah. So, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and take a break here, and then we'll talk about our last two linebackers here. Plus, in case you know you are wondering where is this guy or where is that guy. Uh, honorable mentions coming up next. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of the co hosts, Cody Stoffer, and we are talking about our number two class of 2022 linebacker here in the state of Colorado. And that title belongs to Cooper Walton the linebacker slash running back out of Roosevelt High School. You know, my pick for 3A state champs still. But anyways, you know, Cooper Walton, he has quite a resume to go over. He is a three-time first-team all-conference linebacker, a two-time North Valley League Defensive Player of the Year, and a two-time all-state linebacker. And that is you know, only leading up to this senior year. He's been doing it for years. And how has he been doing it? Well, very, 
physically. That is the first thing that jumps out for strengths on Cooper Walton. He is an incredibly strong and physical football player. He tackles through ball carriers. It's the way that everyone should initially be taught, but he's one of the few players that I see routinely carry out the punishment and drop the hammer and tackle through football carriers. And I think that the first thing that allows him to do you know, that so well is he has an excellent stance at the linebacker spot. I know that that's not something that we really talked about up until this point, but a lot of the guys that are honorable mentions are honorable mentions because their stances were hard to look at and were evident in their play and in their reaction time. Cooper Walton does not suffer from that. He has an excellent stance that allows him to jolt into position. You know, it allows him to time blitzes very well. It allows him to take great angles to get into the backfield. And, you know, it, it allows him to fire off really fast and it makes it really hard to block him. You know, I put here that a lot of the times that, you know, guards or centers or tackles try and pick him up, he's just too quick to be blocked most of the time. And that's a testament to his great vision to evade the blockers. That's a testament to his footwork, you know, evading blockers. And like I said, that initial start where he just fires off the ball so well and so fast. And adding on to that, you know, I think that he moves very quick laterally and he has great body control of his hips to, you know, turn sideways or upfield. And then he squares back up to the ball carrier anytime he tackles. He's a very fundamentally sound tackler on on this, you know, 3A level and in this state of Colorado. He's just very sound. And I don't know if I've ever seen him miss a tackle, like legitimately, whether it's through his film or through the live performances that I've seen him play or that Simon's played. If if I'm wrong, Simon can correct me with what he's seen, but he did not miss a tackle in the Fort Morgan game with some of the more elusive playmakers in the state. I also think that on on top of these, you know, he, he just has a good feel and flow for, you know, the football field. He does a great job of reading a quarterback's eyes, you know, when playing in zone coverage and deciding whether that's the moment to bang, use that kind of, you know, that good leverage that he has and that good explosiveness that he has to either bang, go upfield and blow up this quarterback or whether, you know, in that split second, he makes the read to take a step back and bat a pass or lay down a massive hit that, you know, jars the ball loose from a receiver or what have you. He's just super strong and imposing and, you know, he's got to be a quarterback's worst nightmare, you know, especially when he does a great job of covering a receiver in his zone and passing it off to the next zone. He does a great job of showing awareness there. And once that receiver is passed off, that quarterback better figure out something quick because Cooper Walton is, you know, he's jetting down the field and he's going to put a lick on you. I think that he has some of the most brutal hits, if not the most brutal hits between his junior and senior year film. And it was one of the first things that I noticed when watching his performance against Fort Morgan. I was like, wow, this Roosevelt team is probably the most physical team I've seen all year. And it starts with number 22. And, you know, I think that there's even a lot of room for, for growth there. 
as well. But just real quickly, I almost forgot to mention he's six foot one, 210 pounds, which, you know, gives him a great frame for laying the wood on, you know, these receivers running across the field or these running backs. Oh, these poor running backs that catch swing passes and he reads it well and takes that step up field. They're in for a world of pain. And, you know, like like I emphasized more than once, quarterbacks, oh my goodness, do not be holding on to the ball with Cooper Walton coming at you. It does not end well, ever. So, between phenomenal instincts, great body control, and superb hitting ability slash strength, there is a lot to like about Cooper Walton here. And, you know, I think that... <laughs> Yeah, he's just—he's number two for a reason, and I loved watching his film. I watched it a couple times over, not for further analysis, but for further entertainment, because he is that good. Simon, what are some things that Cooper Walton you think needs to improve on, and or are there more strengths that you want to add on here? Because there is just plenty to talk about. I know I rambled for a minute about him, but you know I may have missed something in my excitement about talking about this phenomenal talent here. No, you're all good. Uh, no, I agree. I think his bread and butter is definitely, you know, being kind of that run stopper linebacker that cleans up a lot. You could probably spy him on a quarterback and he'll hold up pretty well. Um, you know, he's just one of those guys that does really good against the run. And that's why, you know, he is going D1. He's going to CSU, by the way. And so, you know, there's no doubt about that. I think for him, it's probably some of these other things like, I wouldn't say he's as versatile as some of the other guys on this list. Um, not as versatile as the number one guy. Uh, I would say biggest weakness uh, is probably that he needs a wider variety of pass rush moves off the edge. Uh, definitely Absolutely. relies. Yeah, he relies on that speed a lot, which is not a bad thing. I mean, you know, don't make it harder. Like if you don't have it in your bag, then just use something else and make it work, right? Um, but that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, Roosevelt, they do have him an outside linebacker sometimes, which is why he's listed there uh, on some sites and whatnot. But, uh, you know, he doesn't do bad off the edge. He's shown that he can play off the edge. But, you know, if it's a blitz or something like that, he just needs to be able to do better. And so that's the biggest thing. Um, along with that, this is kind of tied into that uh, leverage. I mean, it's not bad most of the time, but could probably be more consistent here. And I'm talking probably more with interior um, linemen. Like, he looks more comfortable coming off that edge uh leverage wise by the way coming off that edge on the outside than he is working inside as a pass rusher which is a big deal because you know when you are more comfortable working outside usually it's because you know you have space like you're not wedged between two other linemen or anything like that plus the guy in front of you but you got space so you could like use your speed uh either run outside work outside or just use your speed purely you know and so that's probably why he's more comfortable because he has more space to deal now when you're on the interior you got to be better technically because, you know, one false like a move or, you know, your hands aren't fast enough or whatever, you're clamped down and then you're pushed into the center or into the tackle or into the lead blocker or whatever uh, or into one of your own guys. And so you have to be on top of it when pass rushing interior linemen. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing I wanted to be specific there because obviously in general pass rush moves, they could be better, but 
don't get it twisted he's definitely better off the edge still than inside and so uh that also helped with his penetration too you know on run plays and so i think those are the two things he just really needs to work on so that you know csu they can use him in a couple different ways not just as a like a you know glorified box safety or a linebacker that can only stop the run but somebody who could also pass rush and impact the passing game as well and speaking of passing game he's not bad in the passing game at all he actually plays uh, uh in it a lot you know whether it's zone or excuse me zone or man but I think specifically here, specifically, I'd like to see Cooper Walton work more on his man-to-man coverage, Um, you know, specifically when he's against bigger targets, not running backs or like receivers or anything like that. I'm talking tight ends, fullbacks. Like, I'd like to see him in that work more. Um, I'd like to see him work on that more as well. You know, it's one thing to be able to bully, you know, a smaller, like, player. It's another thing to be going up against, like, uh, Terrence Ferguson or even, let me chill out a little bit, or a Tanner Arkin, Tanner Arkin type, who I want to say played for Foster Ridge and is that CSU now or some Fort Collins team is that CSU now but he's like 6'3 you know 210 220 6'4 210 220 like I'd like to see him um fair I'd like to see how he fares against those guys and you know when he is working on that man-to-man coverage with those guys you know I think timing those hands like hey no one to hit those hands because if you're too aggressive you know they're gonna call pi on you and so you have to time that right you gotta be just aggressive enough you gotta work on leveraging like winning the leverage game um in the past game like pushing those guys to the outside and whatnot not giving them too much space um working them towards the sideline and so I think that's the next thing here uh like i said i'd rather see him work on pass switching moves and block shutting moves first you know i think that's the biggest thing but after that then comes the man-to-man like all right you know how are you technically against these bigger targets because i know you could cover a running back and receiver but how do you do against these bigger targets who can just out like you know out muscle you you gotta be at least you know a little bit better there skill wise so there you go Altogether, cooper walton is a great linebacker he's as fundamental as they come he's a tough player and there's a reason why this roosevelt team has such a good defense not just a good offense but a very good defense that arguably is the identity of their team not only this regular regular season but going into the playoffs so yeah um but i mean outlook's pretty easy here or actually cody do you have anything else you want to add to that before we go outlook yeah well i'm just gonna agree that he does need to diversify his block shedding and pass rushing moves you know i i put it's cool that he's usually too fast to have to use moves but i want to see a bit more of it especially heading into this mountain west conference uh this next year and then just echoing did not get to see a whole lot of man-to-man on running backs or tight ends so nothing crazy there um but we know where he's going we know what level of play he's at so it's not like hypothetical here he's committed to csu and you know 100 percent ram that's how it reads and that was on june 13th so that was a while ago you know in the grand scheme of things before this season has even happened yep so um i guess we kind of got to talk about when we think we'll see Cooper Walton on the field. Simon, do you have any guesses on that theory? 
Um, well, first off, he does have an official offer. It's not a preferred walk-on. Just just want to throw that out there um, because when he did say that he was committed to CSU, there's no offers. There's no offers on his page. Period. So there you go. And then the one offer graphic that <laughs> right now he only um, so he committed to CSU. And then I'm just looking at his Twitter page here. Um, he committed on June 13th, and then August 8th. He posted a graphic saying that he got an official offer. So he does have a scholarship offer there. And so I don't know, maybe if he just reposted it two months, you know, late or something like that. But there you go. Uh, Regardless, he's offered there. He's not just a walk-on player or somebody like that. Uh, He has an offer to CSU and is going there. I think he gets a redshirt his first year. Uh, you know, Adazio, he is a defensive-minded coach, more so than offensively. And so there's probably going to be a lot more that he's going to have to learn there. Uh, not that he, you know, learned a basic offense at Roosevelt, but, you know, learning college defenses take time, especially when you have one of those coaches that are, like, defensive type of dudes. You know, there's going to be a lot of packages there. There's going to be a lot of different formations, a lot of audibles, probably adjustments, um, then, you know, they got to also figure out, uh, what linebacker spot they want him at as well. And that affects a whole bunch of other things too. And so I would say redshirt him the first year, you know, learn all that stuff, maybe even take one more year. And so I would say his third year at CSU, whether he's a redshirt sophomore or like a true junior, I don't know why he would be a true junior. So a redshirt sophomore, I could see him definitely getting, potentially getting to the lineup, getting some snaps, getting into the rotation and all that, uh, and maybe getting on special teams as well. But what do you think, Cody? I think that uh, redshirt year isn't a bad idea for Cooper here. Just adjusting to, like he said, that different amount of talent. Uh, a lot of these schools on this 3A level, you know, a lot of these guys know each other first and last name you know, and uh, have have played against, you know, like, you know, each other in middle school and whatnot. So adjusting to that bigger kind of scope, I think is a good word for it, wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing for Cooper. Like you said, he could definitely find the field as a special teamer just because of his raw, you know, speed and physicality, which isn't a bad thing to, to have. I think that he's good enough to be, especially on like a punt unit, that guy where it's like, you know, he he could be a gunner, I think. Um, just because I think he's fast enough. I think I could say that from his running back film. And be one of those guys where, you know, if they decide not to call a fair catch, well, they're going to get rocked and CSU is going to get the ball right back on like the 15-yard line. I think that's very possible here for, for Cooper. But I think a redshirt year, adjust to the game, adjust to school and whatnot. And uh, just kind of get his feet settled in, and you know he'll um, he'll have a former teammate up there, at least going to school that uh, he can kind of talk to and whatnot, which is pretty cool to know. So that former teammate being Brig Hartson. In case. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think go. I should have clarified that because I got to meet Brig at the Fort Morgan and uh, Roosevelt game, and that's where he's at right now. So yeah, know, he he has some roots there already, and. I think that um, he's, he's a player that Adazio obviously really likes, knowing Steve Adazio, and I think that Cooper's going to like playing for Steve Adazio. Yeah, 
he should. So I think that's a great fit. Glad he already has a home too. Um, Cause if he didn't, then he would definitely be one, another one of those underrated guys with no offers. So, so yeah, but uh, CSU, they're getting a good one. Also, I'm just going to throw this out there. Wouldn't be surprised if they say, Hey, maybe we make him a box safety and go from there. Uh, maybe. Um, but you know, that's, you know, that's your red shirt year and uh you're following year after that coming into play and so they might move him around it's happened before it, that's something to probably expect when you go to college never be super comfortable at the position you play especially if you're a phenomenal athlete because they could definitely move you around and be like oh i think he's a running back on this level or i think he's you know a receiver or something weird like that so there you go so just throwing all of that out there you know that's probably that's why i'm saying you know that's why i'm saying it would take him a couple uh years to get on the field because i think they might have some other plans for him potentially regardless he's good enough to get on the field uh like just raw talent wise so so yeah but uh if that is it we're gonna go ahead take a break and then we are gonna talk about our number one guy here uh but before that we're also gonna talk about some honorable mentions, some other inside linebackers that are not on uh, our top five senior list for this year. But coming up next. All right, y'all. We are back on our final segment of this episode to talk about the number one linebacker of the class of 2022 in Colorado. But first some honorable mentions there are some names that would be missing here if we didn't shout them out so i'm just gonna go through and shout some guys out real quick like tyler colon he's a two-star linebacker out there at pueblo west we were pretty impressed with his physicality and whatnot but he just misses this list because of not a lot of pass coverage if any pass coverage film also want to cat shout out kevin sorgan i think is how you say that at a palisade Obviously, he's a very intriguing prospect at six foot five. And, you know, he might be a name that we come back to for tight ends, depending. But uh, that, that's another guy who's like, I think, third in the state in tackles or something like that. So, you know, that wingspan definitely plays a role in him flying all over the field. Some other honorable mentions include Brody Ashworth out of Castleview. You know, he was up there in the state in tackles and has been for a while. Matthias Brown out of Straussburg, Colorado. If you haven't listened to the interview with Simon Matthias Brown and Landon Martin, that is an absolute must, I think, here. And some other guys that get shout outs here is Junior Gonzalez out of Pomona. Dorian Pacheco out of Lutheran. Right, Simon? That's Lutheran. Yeah. And okay, cool, cool, cool. Jack Weiler, he was one of those guys at Arapaho that just didn't have enough film for us to really do a breakdown on. Zach Cobb out of Peyton, Colorado, and some other guys that I watched film on that, you know, just missed out on this list for little things here and there is like Michael McCary out of Legacy, Bode Hogan out of Broomfield. We'll probably do breakdowns on these guys another time. Uh, Miles Poole out of Thornton, Colorado, who had a phenomenal season. Much respect to him. Uh, Max Zeiger out of Smoky Hill. And, you know, the biggest name that is probably going to be missing from this list is three-star linebacker Jordan Norwood out of Valor, who just misses out. 
With all that being said, Simon, do you want to introduce our number one linebacker for the class of 2022? The number one linebacker in the state of Colorado in the class of 2022 is Loveland's very own inside linebacker, Ian Loomis. This guy is 6'3", 215. Is that what we decided on? I'm looking at his Twitter page and it says something different. Yeah, 6'3", 215. Um, he is that dude. You know, this guy, I'm just going to be honest. Personally, he stood out to me last year in his performance against Palmer Ridge. Um, oh, my God. Absolutely. Uh, is this going to be too harsh? I don't care. He dominated Connor Jones, who is a University of Michigan commit, by the way, committed last year. And so uh, he <laughs> he he dominated him. Obviously, he went up against um, Jackson St. Aubin as well, that center who got uh, committed by or committed, offered by New Mexico State. He probably went up against Alec Falk as well, um, offered by UNLV, UNLV. You know, basically that entire monument moving company, he wrecked havoc. They could not block him. You know, they just couldn't because in that game against Palmer Ridge, um, I mean, they just couldn't run the ball. They weren't getting anything, and there was a lot of trouble when they weren't running the ball and they're trying to pass their way out of it with Luke McAllister. It was Loomis that was in there, if he wasn't in coverage, by the way. But it was Loomis that was in there causing pressure, making McAllister uncomfortable. Um, I think he actually forced a fumble in that game as well. It might have been a strip sack, but... You know, I I don't know. I, I don't want, uh, but there you go. You know, I think that's where I saw him first. He was one of those dudes that was just everywhere along with Jaden Tafoya. But, um, you know, he's not 6'3", 215, and he graduated last year. And so there you go. So Ian Loomis, he was a beast. And, you know, that really continued into this year where, you know, he is up there as far as tackles go. He had 136 total tackles. Uh, and then notably, he has 20 tackles for losses. 80 sacks, 12 hurries, um, two interceptions, three forced fumbles, and then let me see here. And then a fumble recovery that I'm pretty sure he forced. So there you go. Uh, very good stats, you know. Oh, and then Loveland, they're one of the top seeds in the playoffs, too. You know, who could forget? And also one of the top defenses in the entire state. Having played guys and teams such as Broomfield against Cola Crew, he had 12 total tackles, three tackles for losses, um, a sack and an interception in that game, and a forced fumble in that game against a pretty good Broomfield team against Skyline, who they blew out 48-0. to He had nine total tackles. Um, he had a hurry on the game as well. No interceptions that game. And then, I mean, not that this is saying a lot, but against Greeley Central, 16 total tackles, three tackles for losses. He also intercepted Genoa one time in that game as well. And so he's a very productive player. If it's not obvious, he gets it done in the run game, in the pass game, um, as a pass rusher. I think that's his biggest, I guess, um, I guess that's his biggest strength, especially as a run stopper. He just has a knack for finding that ball, for um, block shedding pretty well, and, you know, getting in there and causing a lot of trouble, causing a lot of havoc with those 20 tackles for losses. You know, he's somebody who's who is extremely good against the run. Honestly, you might as well not run it against him and try your, you know, try passing it and see what happens there because he, 
man. He gets a lot of tackles for losses. He gets back there and he causes uh, third and longs, second and longs, you know, and obviously when you're in those situations, you're prone to uh, eventually force a turnover. If not him, somebody else on his team. And so he is definitely, you know, at the center of that dominant Loveland defense that not only won state last year, but dominated their way into state. And then also this year has a good opportunity to go ahead and, you know, contend for state as well. I believe actually today when this episode is releasing, they will be playing uh, Braden Dorman Vista Ridge. So that'll actually be a very good test to see how he does against uh you know very dominant passing team and you know the four-star quarterback himself Braden Dorman and the number 9 quarterback in the country and so that'll probably help his stock out a lot. But Ian Loomis, he is that dude. Um man, he just does it all. And at 6'3", 215, he has an excellent blend of athleticism, you know, size as well. I kind of thought he might have been a little bit more than 215. Like, he kind of looks it, but he at least has the stature or um, not the stature. What is it called? Oh, my God. The frame. He has the frame right. to yeah. potentially grow into, um, you know, a guy who could play a little bit heavier, uh, honestly. So... There you go. But that's Ian Loomis. Cody, do you have anything else you want to add on there before you talk about some things he could work on? Yeah, sure thing. So Ian Loomis, I uh, agreed wholeheartedly with him getting the number one spot here. He's been on our list since before the season even started, um, you know, because of that performance against Palmer Ridge in that championship game. And yeah, it was just it's come full circle now here as the number one linebacker here the only things that i wish he could work on a little bit is and this kind of only happened this year in his film i'm not sure if it's because of the competition or just game situation but you know sometimes he starts plays standing completely straight up and a couple of times in his senior film he literally walks um it's probably because his team is throttling whoever it is, but don't walk on the football field. It's really nitpicky. And, you know, I think that another thing too is, I as far as pass defense goes, I definitely think he's way more reactive in the pass game and he's not as aggressive. And I think part of that is, you know, he could do a little bit better of a job getting into his zones a lot quicker. I think that he has the potential to do that and thus make more plays in the pass game. But you could argue that that same kind of, you know, cautious and conservativeness in the past game is what has led to so many of his interceptions. I, I put here that he is the connoisseur of the tip drill because a lot of his interceptions come off of uh, cornerbacks popping, you know, the, the receiver and him just being in the right spot at the right time and he has that same capability as well in the past game of just lighting people up and putting that ball up in the air for someone else to you know get that interception and okay so areas of improvement being a bit more aggressive and assertive in the past game in general and you know just showing hustle all game long other than that just want to talk about more of these strengths before talking about outlook here uh, unless Simon has more areas of improvement to add, but you know, there's a reason he's number one and it's because he doesn't leave a whole lot to be desired. Uh, Simon, do you have any 
areas of improvement to recommend before I jump into, you know, just kind of basking in the greatness that is Ian Loomis as well as talking college outlook? Uh, honestly, I think he could get bigger. Um, 63215 isn't bad if he is, you know, maybe a little bit more of a, you know, like a box safety guy, but I think he's probably an every down type of linebacker. And so with that being said, I think he could be an every time every down type of linebacker so that being said you know he should definitely put on weight i think ideally i could see him doing a lot of the same things at a lean 220 maybe even a lean 230 to be honest with you i was eyeballing 225 for him yeah yeah anywhere in there because he is good i mean i think he's probably one of the more exceptional pass rushers too from his inside linebacker spot like like i said he gave connor jones some trouble uh last year in the playoffs and so you know if a team um you know picks him up and they're like hey you know you're six three uh but we'd like for you to pass rush off the edge i mean you're automatically going against like tackles that are at least 300 pounds um, on the 1A or 1A on the division one level, which I believe he is a division one player um, FBS or FCS. I probably more FBS though. And so with that being said, you know, get up at least to 220, uh, put on a little bit more weight there. Cause I think his only thing is that he's a little bit wiry in the frame. And so he just needs to fill out a little bit more here, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about his outlook here. Cody, do you want to talk about that? Um, his outlook. Oh, sorry. By the way, um, against Dakota Ridge, I just wanted to say this. You know, last year and the semifinals, uh, he had an MVP-worthy game against Dakota Ridge to send them to the play or send them to state because this was a one-score game. He had 17 tackles, 11 solo, two sacks. He also had the game-winning um, play here on fourth down where he absolutely stuffed the running back. And, you know, obviously that's against a very talented Dakota Ridge team. Um, very talented, you know, a lot of the same guys from last year or a lot of the same guys from this year played last year. And then they also lost some dudes. And so for him to do that against, a you know, number one Dakota Ridge last year is absolutely huge. Because um, he's went up against a lot of D1 guys, by the way. Because I'm pretty sure uh, Charlie and a bunch of other guys are over, are over at CU right now. And so, you know, if you couldn't tell that he was a D1 guy based on his skill and his stats. I mean, the guys he play are D1 guys and he's beating them. So there you go. But go ahead and talk about Outlook here, uh, Cody, if, uh, if you want. Yeah, absolutely. And so... When you have a player like Ian Loomis, who's as gifted as he is and as versatile as he is and just strong, he's just really strong. It's really wild to see that he only has two offers on the D2 level. He has an offer from Western, which, you know, they're having an incredible year this year, by the way. And I always got to shout out my boy Connor Desch, the uh, quarterback over there for tearing it up and leading him to a pretty good season so far. But anyways, he has an offer from them and CSU Puebla as well. And, you know, he could easily start his freshman year on probably either of these teams is my opinion. And he's being overlooked by, well, Greeley and Fort Collins are the same distance away from Loveland, essentially. And the fact that he doesn't have an offer from either of those teams is blasphemous. You know, I think Ian Loomis is a guy that, you know... You would imagine that a Dazio would want 
being the you know stud defensive player that he is and being a defensive-minded coach and already having the talents of Cooper Walton. I mean, gosh, Walton and Loomis on the same squad, that gives you so much flexibility from a play calling standpoint that you just can't you can't buy that. So, you know, I think that he needs to be offered by CSU at least. I'm tired of telling UNC that they need to offer these talented guys because, well, they never listen. But, and, you know, he, he can play at CU as well. He's a Division One guy, in my opinion. He's He's got the physicality of a D1 guy. He has the clutch gene. You know, I mean, that's not something you can say about a lot of, you know, defensive players to take over games the way that Ian Loomis has. But, but he has, and I think that that's just evidence that he is a D1 guy against, like Simon said, other Division One talent. He is a must, 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 must recruit player here. And yeah, no, he's one of the more underrated players, I think, in this entire state, honestly, at any position, just because he doesn't have, you know, a lot of first team all states or you know, all conference linebacker pedigrees, but he absolutely should. He can play any position, uh, you know, that is linebacker from like a stand-up edge guy, especially if he throws on another 10 pounds and he could play outside, inside, upside down, you know, like he is just really talented and horrendously overlooked in my opinion. Also, Simon uh, might, might mention here, just real quickly, this is I think this is the first list we've done that doesn't have a single 5A player on it. Yes. Well, actually, I think you're right. Yeah. So shout out to... I mean, to, we've uh, only done this one other year, so there you go. I mean, that was a lot of lists, though. So shout out to 4A for producing some studs this year, as well as 1, 2, and 3, you know. There's, there's talent on all levels of Colorado football, and, you know, especially here in 4A, where there's a lot of D1 guys... He is followed by Wyoming football recruiting. Well, I was so just going to say that. That is that is something to keep an eye on. Uh, he would be a great fit out there at Wyoming as well. And, uh, you know, he could rush the passer and help uh, Zaire get some interceptions. Yes. Um, also, if if I may, can I make a, you know, a little bit of a comparison here between Ian Loomis and a current NFL player? Ooh, yeah, I want to hear it. We didn't talk about this. Okay, so I think Ian Loomis, his game is very similar to, and you know, you're not going to hear me say this every day because I'm a Steelers fan, but you, his game is very similar to Bengals inside linebacker Logan Wilson. They're both kind of built the same. Uh, Logan Wilson's like 6'2", 6'3", so is uh, Ian Loomis. Uh, Logan Wilson coming into college, though, at Wyoming, he was only 185 pounds, but like, you know, 6'3", 6'2". And so, you know, back then, uh, he actually had more experience at punter than linebacker. He played safety and was a receiver. Yeah, receiver uh, in high school. And I think Ian Loomis, they have just very similar games, like kind of, you know, taller like um lankier i guess if you want to say i i wouldn't say lankier because ian loomis is like 215 220 but they're kind of in that same uh vein and i feel like their playing styles are really similar i wonder if ian loomis models his game off of logan wilson because uh, by the way he is having a very exceptional season for that Bengals team by the way but 
you know, I do wonder that because I think they have very similar games. And if he was to get offered by Wyoming, I could see them having maybe another one of those types. Now, the talent and all that, you know, it depends on that and, you know, work ethic and a lot could happen in four years, obviously. But I think Wyoming would be a perfect fit. And if they do, they will be pre- they would probably be getting a Logan Wilson type. So that's kind of what I see here when I see Ian Loomis play. Um, but, you know, maybe a little bit of a better pass rusher, too, though. Minus maybe some pass coverage stuff that Logan Wilson has. But, you know, it evens out, right? Yeah, in the end. Yeah. So. What do you think about that comparison? I really like that comparison. And as soon as you, you said Logan Wilson's name, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, definitely a gap in the pass coverage area but nothing that i don't think ian loomis can build up to you know he's a player who was a very good junior linebacker and has only gone up since that initial game and i might add too that this year loveland's only loss was to 5a uh rouson valley and he was manhandling those 5a guards and tackles too for a team that has produced the likes of wilson clark you know in past years he was bullying them and reading that offense well a lot of people can read that offense but he was reading the offense really well at that position and was blowing up plays and you know causing problems for a 5a team too and you know i know that loveland didn't walk away with a win that game but i know that rv walked away like oh wow that ian loomis kid is legit and so i think that's the same mentality that scouts should have and you know it i think that you know he can go as far as he wants to you know it's up to his work ethic obviously at that college level and fit of the coaching staff and whatnot but you know with the with the correct fit he could definitely be a sleeper sleeper nfl guy yeah no for sure and i think uh you know we are recording this november 8th so you know take what you want with that um in terms of doing this series last year we did it almost like a month and a week later uh, we did it in like December first or second week back then. Um, we're starting around the first week of November here, and so there's a lot of football to be played. You know, I mean, a lot could happen in the playoffs. Obviously, I think this matchup uh, tonight—it's either tonight or tomorrow night. I forgot which one it was, but this matchup against Vista Ridge could really like kind of—I mean, not that he needs this because I feel like he has plenty of signature games. But it could really put him on the map recruiting-wise. Like, imagine sacking a Braden Dorman or, you know, intercepting a Braden Dorman or, you know, just stopping that Vista Ridge offense. That would be really good for his recruitment, uh, adding on more accolades. You could never have too many accolades and too many signature wins, just throwing that out there. And so if he does that, you know, has a good game against them and then potentially even leads Loveland into state and then maybe, you know, two-peating, it's going to be really hard for teams to not notice. And also, I swear to God, if they, he does do that and UNC has not offered by then, I, what am I going to – like, wh- what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. I would feel some type of way. If he beat Braden Dorman and Vista Ridge and led this team to state and potentially two-peated and UNC still hasn't offered him, that would be disrespectful at that point. Um, and Cody, I think you could potentially agree. They would have to be literally insane. It wouldn't be the first time that UNC has made me roll my eyes at the lack of an offer. Go yeah, Bears. This one would be obvious. I, I don't know. I don't know. So there you go. But uh, 
I mean, that's pretty much it. Cody, do you have anything else you want to add? You want to actually close up here? Yeah, nothing else to add on our top five linebackers list other than, you know, obviously we want to do film breakdown on some of these honorable mention players. And, you know, if you're one of those players that doesn't have your film up, get the film up, send it to us, let us know, you know, either send us your film or DM us on Twitter at Playmaker Corner, Instagram at Playmakers Corner, Facebook under just Playmakers Corner, or, you know, comment yourself on TikTok when we start releasing these you know, TikToks of these videos here to do a film breakdown. We need your name, what class you are, what position you play and what school you play at and preferably a link to your huddle. We we're going to not get to those requests quite yet. You're going to have to wait a little bit until probably the season's over, but we can start compiling a list. We already have one going of players to do already. And, you know, congratulations to our top five uh, class of 2020 bleh, class of 2022 linebackers for making our list and shout out to all the honorable mentions once again but please follow us on social media if you like what you heard today make sure to subscribe or follow our playlist whether you're listening to apple podcasts google podcasts anchor spotify so that you get notifications for all of our episodes as we continue to recap and preview each round of the playoffs which that episode came out two days ago and if you're a middle school football fan or want to know about the upcoming generations of football players coming into high school listen to our AYL recap of championship weekend as well as our other playoff recaps where we talk about a bunch of players that are going to be entering high school this next year and check out our playoff brackets that are posted on our Instagram page and see what you do or don't like and agree or disagree with but other than that I have been your co-host Cody Stoffer. I'm the other one, Simon Voyanos. And adios!